Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Barbara Schulte has always been driven by a singular passion to help riders grow their confidence. She is a certified personal performance coach, a cutting horse trainer, publisher of online programs, clinician, author, and a speaker. In all she does, Barbara helps riders access and maintain a state of grounded calmness and confidence in mind, body, and emotion. In her words, the experience of connection to self and to the horse is what allows riders to unlock potential in both themselves and their horses. Barbara is an honoree in the National Cowgirl Hall of Fame and in the National Cutting Horse Association Members Hall of Fame. She was awarded the National Female Equestrian of the Year Award by the AQHA and the Women's Sports Foundation. In May of 2020, she received the American Horse Publications Equine Industry Vision Award for her positive impact on the entire equine industry. And in 2021, she will receive the Western Horsemen's Women of the West Award at the Art of the Cowgirl. Today, this celebrated cowgirl lives with her husband, Tom, in Brenham, Texas, with their three horses. Barbara, I am so honored that you are able to join on the podcast today and share your story with us. Katie, I am so excited to be here and honored to be with you and looking forward to visiting with you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, let's get started right away. And I would love to know in your own words, a synopsis of what it is that you do. What is your job today? Well, I have always had the tendency to wear any number of hats, but I would say that I am first and foremost an educator in the equine world what I do in the realm of personal performance training, which is really the development of confidence through understanding how we think, what we do with our body, the impact of our emotions on our riding. That's my message. And I share it. Again, I can share it with all disciplines. I also do some clinics and and teaching with my friend Sandy Collier in the world of cutting horses and cow horse training. I also do clinic these days with a woman named Shannon Piggott in the world of cattle and cow work. I do retreats with my friend Sandy Collier, who I mentioned, who's also a life coach, and Julie Goodnight. So I produce my own online courses I am involved with other people, usually with live events, because I enjoy that so much, and I I learn so much. And I also do some individual speaking. You do a lot. Personal performance coaching, teaching clinics and retreats, and with some powerhouse women between you and Sandy and Shannon and Julie. Oh my goodness. Talk about some really amazing cowgirls. Yes. It's such a treat for me to be with them and learn from them. And I think that in the in the equine industry, as you get to know people, you know, beyond the show arena, which is so much fun for me, and just to learn the ways that everybody approaches teaching. Of course, truth is truth when it comes to so many things in writing. 
but still everybody has their slant on it. Plus just to get to know people personally, again, it's a treat. Which is exactly why it's such a treat for us to have you on the podcast today. (laughs) Can you explain further what personal performance training means? Yes. Well, Katie, how about if I give you just a little bit of history? Um, Early on in my cutting horse training career, you know, I was a cutting horse trainer for a little over 30 years. And early on in that, I realized that some of the professionals had this uncanny ability to get into the winner circle almost no matter what horse that they were riding. And in the least, they were very consistent making the finals. So I knew that something beyond just how they train their horses was happening. So that led me to um, study at a place called the Human Performance Institute in Orlando, Florida, where they train Olympic and professional athletes how to perform under pressure, which all that really means is that when we want to be our best, the, tr- the training evolved from those athletes wanting to be their best when it mattered most, you know, in the finals game of a World Series or at the U.S. Open playing tennis or you know, speed skating in the Olympics. And the research of Dr. Jim Lair showed that there was, or there is, a state of emotion. Many people know it as the zone. It's a combination of emotion that, when attained, allows you to consistently perform at your highest level. And if you do not have the ability to access that state of emotion within yourself, then you perform at some place that's lower than your potential. And so when you look at famous athletes like a Michael Jordan or I'm missing sports these days um, mm-hmm. due to COVID, but you know, you, you look at people who are high level performers in the show arena with horses and you think, oh, God just gave them that ability to be a great showman or a great showwoman. But it's really not true. I mean, God may have given them a lot of talent and a lot of things, but the ability to present yourself and to access the connection with your horse is dependent upon your ability to know how to access the state of of emotion, which is calm, confident, clear, focused, And that is done through how you think and what you do with your body. It's very clear, very concrete. And I first learned about that in like the mid to late late 90s. And it completely changed my showing. I started, you know, I won major events. I was the first woman who won a couple of National Cutting Horse Association events. One one in Augusta, Georgia, and in California, and it was just you know the word magic probably sounds a little you know out there, but it worked like magic, but it wasn't magic. It was very clear tools, and so I began to teach that. I became I was certified to do that with writers in all disciplines, and then I started to query the people who followed me and and knew about my work not only in the field of cutting, but again, across all disciplines, because it's not just for cutting horse riders. And they felt like they lacked confidence with within themselves, like were they good enough? 
could they really do it? If they had an accident, could they come back? And then they also really worried about what other people think. That was the number one thing, which was interesting, so interesting to me when I first did my research. And so that led me to develop other kinds of trainings. And now I have a course called Core Confidence that includes a piece that I call confidence within, which is knowing the value of each of our journeys and each of our stories and and all of the challenges that we overcome and and ways to connect to our own hearts so that we make sure that we are on the path that brings us joy and that that's not measured by any other scorecard except our own. And it also includes the personal performance training, the thinking and acting tools that I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole piece in it about confidence with other people and belonging to yourself as you still are kind and clear in your communications with others and allowing them to have their journeys as you stay true to yourself. My work over time has evolved into like a total picture of teaching Core confidence because it's also connect, we connect to our forces through the core of our body. And when we get into our, into that zone that I was telling you about and we have the right muscle tension and we can notice our force and our emotions are felt in our, in our core and our seat actually in that, well, in our abdominal area, which is where we connect to our horse. So we really work on ourselves first and, and come to the horse and all we do in our riding with this kind of grounded sense of confidence. And then that allows us to both learn or perform in a show ring or ride on the trail. So for me, it's exciting because it's really, it unlocks potential and it unlocks a rider's ability to really do what they want to do on their journey with their horse by their own scorecard with definite tools and techniques to help them along the way. Wow. What a powerful tool. I absolutely love that you're able to take the concept of what gives these riders a competitive edge and that you've taken it so far. My favorite phrase is judging on your own scorecard. I mean, that's powerful, not only for competitive riders, but just for being around horses in general and having your confidence to do so. That's amazing. Yeah. It really is. And when riders, what, what I do is this core confidence class um, twice a year. You know, I open it and close it like a college course because I'm really with people, you know, every step of the way. And what happens is that as people really begin to understand that the worth and the value of their own journey really is according to them, it doesn't mean you can't, that you're not like an avid sponge for soaking up knowledge and, and mentoring. You know, you need that. We all need that technical instruction. But when they get this freedom to know, you know, I don't have to be the world champion for my journey to matter as much as somebody else's. It's just, it's incredible and um, fun and all the joy that we all are meant to experience for the reasons why we even do horses in the first place is because they're such amazing animals and they allow us to be who we really are. That's one of the things that 
you know, people say over and over, you know, when I'm with my horse, you know, I feel a sense of healing and a sense of ease and a sense of comfort. And I can just be who I am without any kind of filters. And somehow it's easy for that to get lost when people compare themselves and what they're doing with their horses or had an accident or, you know, didn't do well on a show. It's like all that goes out the window. But anyway, as people learn about how to access the joy of their journey, overcome obstacles and be at their best when they are with their horse from the, you know, thinking, feeling, body aspects. It's really exciting. And I, so I really love it because I see people light up. That's what really brings me joy is when I see people begin to really trust themselves, believe in themselves, go for what they love with their horse, connect to their horse more in their riding because I, you know, also connected to different horsemanship skills. And it's just great to see people just kind of smile, you know, and, and relax and have a good time and work hard too. It's not just that, but it, you know, you can work hard, but enjoy it every step of the way. So true. The equine industry is unique in that we really find ourselves comparing to each other, right? Even when you're just in the warm-up pen, I've witnessed it time and again, and I've experienced it time and again. So really, this way of thinking is perfect for every horse owner out there, because we all kind of find ourselves falling into that trap. And maybe that's sort of a myth about the industry, is that we all feel the need to get into that pen and compare ourselves to the other riders, when really we don't, and we shouldn't. Yes, well, you know, Katie, it's interesting because... I think it's part of our conditioning as people, you know, our culture, you know, we compare, are we smart enough? Are we pretty enough? Are we young enough? Are we all of the enough? And that carries over to our horse world, you know, and then it kind of saps the joy of, of what we're doing. And really when we get on a horse, what, matters is the connection with the horse and the connection with the job at hand and you know when you go into a show arena it's when we go into the show arena and we know we've gone in there and we've done our best I mean we've really done our best and we didn't leave it in the practice pen that we feel so good of course we want to win but if we go into the arena and tank and get nervous and make a lot of mistakes that we don't normally make or or we didn't get ourselves ready or we didn't get our horses ready. That's when we feel really bad. You know, we, because it was like these voices in our head were giving us messages that had nothing to do with the true connection that we have on the back of a horse, because it's just the horse and the rider when they go into a show arena or anytime. Really. So this training allows us to eliminate the noise, not only eliminate the noise of our thoughts about other people, whether they be true or not, but also to connect ourselves into our job and have that kind of laser calmness and focus, but high energy to go perform the way we want to 
perform. It's really extraordinary. It's a it's a high, a natural high. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that it's almost like a college course that you open up almost like like enrollment and help people go through this journey with you. So what does that look like? Uh, is it like online or do you meet in person or how do you help people with this training? Yes. So this is online and uh, it goes over a five month period. And it the way the course rolls out is that every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, you receive an email with a short video with a message, you know, for the day, the messages are sequential. And it also has an inspiration at the top, which also helps people condition their thinking over time. You know, it might be something like, it might be something about eating and, you know, hydrating your body or about sleep. Or it might be, you know, if you stumbled that you'll pick yourself back up and that, you know, you've done well in the past and you'll do it again. And, you know, that it's just that it's short, like, you know, four or five lines. And then I do video voiceovers also. They can submit to per session. So there's a lot of pieces and parts to it. There's a private Facebook page and, you know, they really root each other on there and they add their own mm-hmm. inspirational pieces. So it's a very much of a community. It's amazing as people start to discover these pieces because you know, in some ways, we think of confidence or performance as more esoteric. You know, like, yeah, yeah, how do you really teach that? But it's very learnable, and it's all skill-based, just like learning to ride a horse with you or learning to play golf. Sure. It's the same thing. So, Yeah. So it sounds like your day-to-day is filled with many things. You're making these videos, you're managing these communities, you're teaching clinics and retreats. I'm so curious how you went from your education all the way through to being a very successful horse trainer and competitor on to now managing this pretty intense and hands-on online program that you have. That's quite the journey. Yes, (laughs) it is. (laughs) Well... I think that when we all look back on our lives, that we, you know, if we have any kind of you know, openness to to seeing, looking back, it's always kind of amazing how our lives unfold. You know, we have goals and we have a vision, and but we could never have imagined both the traumas and the challenges as well as the great fortunes that just seem to come our way. So... That's the first thing that I would say, but I've always had a passion for this whole idea of the human spirit and, and reaching our potential. I just, I was attracted to that, you know, early on. When I first got married, I had taken a hiatus from training and showing horses. Um, my family had, we had four to 500 horses and I showed horses all through college and I met my husband and just always had this, you know, always loved to read self-help books, always loved to listen to different, you know, at that time, track and the set tapes. And and it's just a natural passion. And I also really love to teach. So at the same time that I was training horses, cutting horses and showing them, I always did clinics. And 
I wrote a couple books and I developed, you know, like online audio programs. And so it, it was just a quite a journey. And then a couple of years ago, at the beginning of 2018, I decided that I just really wanted to do it full time because I could see in my career as a horse trainer that while I love to train and show cutting horses, that, you know, from a business perspective, that this had more potential, I guess you would say, because I think it's a way with all sports, you know, younger, newer, whatever. And, you know, it's a, a work of physical labor to train, you know, 10 to 20 horses. And I was just trying to be a little wise and, and, uh, develop the other part of my career. And that, that was a big step for me. And, um, some grieving went with that because of letting go of the clients that I so loved and who rode with me for years and years and had gone down the road showing and, you know, wondering what I would do as, you know, competitively moving forward. And, um, but I knew that it was right. And I also wanted to experience the horse world in more ways or in being more available. I guess you would say having my schedule be a little more my own. When you train young age spent horses to go to charities and also their riders, it's a bit like a dairy farm. I mean, you don't have a lot of, <laughs> of time because you're always in a time window. You know, you, you have the two-year-olds and then you have the three-year-olds and then you have the charity and you have, you know, the aged events. And showing on the weekends, get ready for the aged events. So I never really had um, a lot of spare time, although I still continue to do clinics. But, you know, if you work on weekends, then, you know, your barn is waiting for you because you've been gone. Right. Or gone for two or three weeks. And so I just decided that I wanted this part of my life to really explore more about what I had already started as a career and have more time to go do other things and, again, explore more parts of the horse world. So that part has been a joy for me. And, you know, I still ride, and I have a wonderful horse at home that I can go show anytime I want. But, boy, it takes a lot of preparation and planning. Competitive showing is not, professionally at least, it's not a casual pastime. So, anyway, it's just it. <laughs> it's all it's all a journey, and I I think a lot of it is having the courage to really listen to your own heart because it's hard to make changes, and you know like what's going to happen. You know, a lot of it's unknown. Will it work out? Um, again, like I said, I was grieving, you know, for a while, um, but then just trusting. You know, having faith that as you, as you stay true to yourself, that things will evolve and that you begin to look for those things that were even beyond what you could have imagined. Absolutely. And change is so hard. 
You remind me so much of this quote by Leo Buscaglia. I think that's how you say his name. He's an American author, and he says, Your potential is God's gift to you, and what you do with it is your gift back to God. And I think that you are like the full embodiment of that quote. Well, thank you. It's um, it's so much fun, and it's so interesting to me. Like Just like that quote, I love that. And I think that we all in our lives, we basically live on the inside of ourselves, right? I want to make that as good as I can get it from my own, you know, experiences and my own happiness. And now a quick word from this episode's sponsor. At Zoetis, we're dedicated to giving the best to the horses in our lives. We work together with veterinarians, horse owners, and equine professionals to help improve horse health and wellness every day. Vaccinating your horse is one of the best ways to protect your time together. Our trusted innovator vaccines help ensure your horse stays healthy. Zoetis also offers a full line of dewormers, including Quest Gel and Quest Plus Gel, to help you protect your horse from today's most threatening parasites. Do not use Quest Gel or Quest Plus Gel in foals less than six months of age or in sick, debilitated, or underweight horses. Do not use in other animal species as severe adverse reactions, including fatalities in dogs, may result. Thanks to Zoetis for making this episode of Beyond the Saddle possible. Well, you talked a little bit about how making the transition from training into the place that you are now was difficult and sort of a roadblock for you and how you overcame that. But I'd also like to know what's next for you. What do you have on your horizon that you're hoping to learn about or try next? Mm. I have a couple of things. Um, In the immediate time, I really am in, I'm very, very interested in taking more concrete examples in step-by-step exercises for people to apply the concepts that I already teach to their riding. And I've already begun to do that. But I, I see the power of people, for example, as they um, breathe and, and connect to their core and they understand that it's not just taking a breath and not just thinking about your seat and then you're going to go on to do all, you know, whatever, and then get all excited and your hands move too fast and legs kick and all that. But, but to give, um, to make it even more and more tangible to tie together a connection within yourself, uh, more knowledge about the force and how you can develop mind, body, emotion, skills to enhance writing. I mean it all it already is happening, but I can see as I as I create different exercises and people experience it in in different ways that it accelerates their learning. Very felt that's a good way to put it. So that's one thing. The the next thing is and I'm not really sure how this one will transpire. One of the things that I would love to do for trainers, you know, equine trainers mm-hmm. in all disciplines who are interested, because I'm not trying to impose my philosophy, like you need to do this, and it's like completely opposite of my personality. But I don't think that there is a training that 
teaches, that helps trainers to understand these concepts both for themselves but also for their clients because the trainers in the equine world are the ambassadors of our sport and they have so much impact on people's confidence and people's lives because people, you know, go with an open heart and with their heart in their hands or a hat in their hands. It feels so sometimes at the mercy of trainers and most, you know, including me until I received this initial training had no experience, you know, knowledge in our practice or training with these, the concepts that I teach. And so I think that if I could share these with trainers and have a more positive impact on helping them be aware to utilize many of these things would help their clients be more successful, have more fun, have more joy, and kind of eliminate some of the, you know, difficult issues that happen between trainers and clients. But again, I'm not trying to save the world. I would just like it available so that it would make an impact on the industry. I would really love to do that. That's kind of cooking. It's been cooking in my head for a little while. I absolutely love that. You are so right. You know, I'm a non-pro and I take my horsemanship pretty seriously. And I feel like every time I go to a clinic or to a lesson, it's like a really vulnerable situation, right? And how they respond to my own confidence levels is really make it or break it for me. So I love this idea of giving trainers the tools to like better connect with their clients Because the more fun we all have in the industry, the more the industry can grow and the more opportunity there is for all of us. And it just becomes an all-around win-win for everyone. Absolutely. And as trainers, you know, now they have my trainer hat on. Again, we've, we've never learned these things. You know, it's the same idea that I was saying earlier. As a performer, you know, we think certain people have certain talents. Um, and we all do have different temperament, different personalities, different learning styles, all of those things. But until you even understand that these skills and tools are available and how to build confidence in people, just like you build confidence in a horse, you don't know. So you just kind of do kind of like we parent, you know, we parent like our parents or we, we you know, we just don't have that knowledge, nor do, I don't think many trainers understand what impact they have, both on a positive side and on a negative. I mean, as much as if someone doesn't feel good, I know of a couple of trainers that cause their people to feel like they're on top of the world, like they're having so much fun, they have so much joy, and they're riding the hair off their horses. And and um, anyway, so that, that's something that I'm thinking about. I love it. Well, that is a great way to segue into some advice. You have already given us lots to think about, but I know that you have more. <laughs> Do you have advice for anyone that is aspiring to train horses professionally? Yes, I do. <laughs> I have to. One is um, to learn more about 
the personal performance training that I was talking about. Um, and I'm not intending this to sound like a plug for my book, but in this book was written years ago. It was, it's a combination of articles I did for the quarter horse journal. It's called the gift. And in that book, um, it's short stories actually, but it gives a lot of the concepts and it would be a great introduction. And I also have a digital audio called coach for confidence. Anyway, those two things just to become aware of what I was talking about before. But also, this is another one. I went into to training horses with just kind of a vague business model. You know, you charge X amount for training a horse and, you know, like just in the traditional way. It's hard for trainers, by and large, to make a living. The numbers don't work out often. You know, you can't do, or sometimes you can't charge for the extra things that you want to do. And I would say to, if, if you're going to think about being a professional trainer, to have a multidimensional approach to your training, decide on, you know, what is your program? What is it that you love to do? You know, you can specialize. You know, some people want to go show on the national stage. Other people prefer to provide services for their local people, which is great. I mean, there's no better. It's kind of my whole philosophy. There's no better or lesser than as far as, you know, the value. We, we need everybody. And I would also say to have a, a model that includes um, teaching and coaching and there are many ways to do it i have a friend who primarily gives lessons to people on their own horses which they love that i mean she teaches them to really not train their own horses but connect with their own horses and he and you know she helps them build that so she doesn't have so many horses in training and she you know charges and her lessons are not inexpensive and she has groups of two and three. And if you have a single lesson, it's more. And I think she's making a fantastic living. She has short little topic uh, clinics on the weekends with people who are just learning and very few horses in training. And that's exactly the way she wants it. And her model is unique. So I think that looking at the business side of it, looking at your time so that you don't just think that you have to be the world champion. You go be it if that's what you really want. If you love to train horses and don't like to school, you know, teach as much, then be clear and that's okay. If you like to teach and you don't want to have the whole barn full of horses, you don't have to. So I would be clear about what you want to do and how it works financially. That is great and very tangible advice. I think most people probably seek that advice or wish that someone had told them that after they're sort of into their training business a little way. And then they go, huh, this is a business. I might need to relook at a few things. <laughs> so perfect advice. Good. Good, good. Do you have advice for anyone in general that wants to work in the equine industry? Like maybe they don't want to be a trainer or follow that path, but you've seen enough of the equine industry to know kind of the ins and outs. So what advice do you have for those people? Well, I think that if it's a, uh, that what comes to mind, Katie, when you, 
therapist asked me that question are two kind of tracks. And of course there are many more than that, but um, one is as a professional, you know, if somebody wants to make working in the equine industry a true career. And then the other one is if you want to work part-time or you enjoy, you know, working in the, in the equine world, but maybe it's not, maybe it's short term. Those are two very different things, you know, because one has the potential to be financially lucrative and the other one, you know, it's, there's a lot of low paying jobs in the equine world. For a career, there are so many paths. You know, for example, a therapeutic riding instruction, there is a lot of training that happens with that. And, I mean, you can receive a lot of training or to be a certified instructor, not a path instructor. The other thing is online education. I have another friend who, what she specializes in, she's learned how to create online courses and market them. And she does that for other professionals who would never do that for themselves. So that's an interesting, that's very lucrative. So I think um, to kind of think out of the box about what you really love, and if it's something that is a career, again, to look at the business model of it, how does this, you know, earn money? Is it open-ended? You know, like an online business with, with courses like that? has the potential, you know, to be more and more profitable, to be leveraged. Um, whereas, you know, if you're going out and exercising courses, which is great, you know, that has a limited potential. So I think um, thinking out of the box and if it's a career, to think of something that you get training in. Yeah, that's a great distinction. And I think it's a good crossroads that would be a good one to come to even before enrolling in equine science for those students, uh, college students thinking about that path, like really truly consider exactly what you just said. Is this a career or do you simply enjoy it? Is this something you want to dabble in or is this going to be something that brings home the bacon for the rest of your life? Yes. Or do you want to get a career that allows you to enjoy your horse in the way that you want to? Exactly. Um, yeah. That you can't have, not that you can't have a career in the equine industry that does that and enjoy your horse. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you have, that people need to really look at it before they make decisions. And you know, our lives also, Katie, are journeys. So we discover things as we discover them. So it's not like, you know, you can't change or switch or whatever. But that, it, like I said before, about training, you know, that was a big lesson for me that I'm much wiser for now. Perfect advice from the Barbara Schulte folks. <laughs> well, I know everyone wants to hear about your horse story. So let's talk about horses. What horses do you have out in your field right now today? I have three, um, two geriatrics. We always tease about um, Tiger, my husband's longtime show horse who is no longer ridden is still living with his mother who is his who was her first cold and um rachel is 30 and tiger like 24 or 5 or something like that 
anyway, so we're always laughing that, that, you know, he still lives at home with his mom. But, um, so we have those two who are very cherished, you know, members of our family, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then I have Nick, who is, um, a Petro Boonsmall gelding who has significant NCHA, National Planning Horse Association earnings. And, um, he's the one that I do a lot of, or I do my videos on, my demo videos, and I can tune him up and go show him really anytime I would want to. He's a, he's a wonderful horse. By any show, I mean, just locally fun. You know, he's out of aged events, which is what I did as a trainer. Gotcha. Well, he sounds so fun. Awesome. He's great. He's my buddy. Do you have a most memorable moment with horses that you can share with us? Yes. I won the Augusta Paturity like in, I don't know, the early 90s. And at that time, it was, you know, after the Triple Crown of the NCHA, it was right up there in terms of national recognition, you know, as a major event. And it still is a wonderful event. And my dad, I showed three horses. And I had just done well on one of them. And so I, at the, at the maturity in Fort Worth, I was third on this whole horse called Colonel Duhon. So I took these three horses to Augusta, Georgia. The short story is I lost a cow, went out of the competition on two of them. And I was remaining in the competition with the third one, a horse named Playboy Dan. And he was the, the lesser of the athletes and had the least amount of cow and was just a last minute decision by the owner, you know, would you show him? Okay, sure, I'll show him for you, kind of a thing. And so I ended up winning the maturity in Augusta with a dramatic kind of work off thing where we both lost a cow. Anyway, I, I won by it. We both had low scores in the work off and I won by half a point. But what was really cool is that Mr. Morris in Augusta, who owns the Quarter Horse News and Barrel Horse News and some of those publications, mm-hmm. always put all of the people on the front who d- were doing well. And my my picture writing Dan was, you know, like on the front fold of the paper. And so I went immediately, drove from Augusta, Georgia to St. Louis to my dad who was in the hospital with colon cancer and gave him the, the paper and he showed all the nurses. And so that is probably the magical kind of spiritual moment, you know, of my showing that comes to mind when you ask me a question like that. And, you know, it was all for dad because it's so totally the way it happened was uncanny. Like one thing after another, it was like nothing could have stopped that whole thing. So it was cool. Oh, I love that. Do you still have that picture? I'd love to see it. Oh, huh. That's interesting. I'll have to look and see if I can find that. And they put it on the billboard at Augusta. It was funny. Like the next year, you drove into town. Like they did this whole thing. You drove into town and there was me working a cow on Dan on the billboard. You were famous. (laughs) I bet your daddy was so proud. Yeah, he was. It was great. Very cool. Well, do you have a horse industry recommendation that you can share with our listeners? It can be anything horse related, like a product that you love or an event that you love, or just one thing that you think our listeners should also check out. 
Um, you know, there's a a woman who does. Well, I really enjoy horse art expos because there are all these professionals there that are giving demonstrations and talks, and it's very interesting. And now there's a woman named Paula Curtis who does a an online horse expo called Because of the Horse. And I think she does a wonderful job. And we as clinicians submit videos just like we would be doing a presentation at, at a horse expo. And so you can, you know, sign up to watch all of these different demos in one spot. So I really like that. That is very cool. Great recommendation. Last question for you. Do you have a non-horse recommendation? So just something from your own life that you really love that's not about horses or that might surprise us that you think people should check out. Well, I really like Brene Brown and her books. The first book I read by her is, is Daring Greatly. And um, she talks a lot about courage and faith. And again, everything that she has done has been based in research. And so she has really impacted my whole area to put a little more form to it about the confidence within peace and then the confidence with other people piece of my course. And she has a book called Dare to Lead. And it's a fabulous uh, book about leadership and being vulnerable and, you know, having integrity and having difficult conversations. So I would recommend her. Perfect. I'll have to go and check those books out. Okay, good. We've made it through all my questions and you spoke beautifully, although I expect nothing less. <laughs> I feel like I have learned so much from you in just this hour that we've had with you. So I'm so thankful for that. You're so sweet. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Do you have anything that you wanted to leave our listeners with? I would say never give up and trust your journey and keep believing in yourself and what you love. Very inspiring last words from a very inspiring lady. Thank you so much, Barbara. All right, Katie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for riding along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at at Beyond the Saddle podcast. Find more episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.